0: Hey guys, I always forget to do this and I do not know why, but (laughs) you can watch this interview on my YouTube channel under my playlist, UC Podcast, and my YouTube channel is just search Free Spirit Podcasts. You will see that purple globe that is my brand come up and then look for the playlist and there you go. My interview with Anthony Padilla. It's great. I know you're going to enjoy it. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ulcerative Colitis, Autoimmune Healing Journey. I am your journey guide, Jay India, and this is a supportive, positive environment where we can heal together. Please note I am not a doctor or health professional of any kind, and my guest is also not a doctor or health professional. If you would like to attempt something mentioned in this episode, please consult your physician or health professional First, today we are discussing my UC journey in fitness and exercise for UC and IBD with Anthony Padilla. Anthony, okay, first of all, I have to put on my glasses for this because this is a really good intro. So hold on, let me let me make sure I'm reading it right. Put <laughs> on my glasses. Okay. okay. Anthony Padilla positively impacts people's souls through nutrition, fitness, biohacking, and emotional excellence. He coaches people in achieving optimal health and fitness by challenging their bodies and minds to reach their maximum potential. This includes an emphasis on proper nutrition with non-GMO whole foods, ideal intake of water, and a growth mindset. He also engages his clients in corrective exercises to prevent and relieve pain. Last but not least, he coaches youth athletes in maximizing agility, quickness, speed, strength, and a great attitude. Welcome, Anthony.
1: Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. I was excited to have you on. I'm excited you said yes, because you've been such a wealth of information for our listeners, and I really appreciate that. And I also want to say Happy New Year.
1: And Happy New Year to you, too.
0: Thank you. Anything exciting going on in 2024? Anything you're really looking forward to, or you're just kind of killing it with goals? Or what do you think? (laughs)
1: You know, not really. You know, I don't make resolutions. Um, I just do try to, it's kind of cliche, but try to get 1% better every day. Hmm. And uh, also looking at you know, this being at a, an election year, I'm expecting some craziness out there.
0: You know, this being an election year, and obviously this is not a political podcast, but I'm curious to see how it goes because we're both Americans and everyone's so exhausted from the last election year. (laughs) I'm curious to see if it's going to ramp up again or it's going to be much quieter. So I agree with that. 2024 is going to be interesting in the U.S.
1: I read a book uh, a couple years ago called The Fourth Turning. It's Neil Howe. And I can't remember the name of the other um, author, but they wrote a book prior to that called Generations, and they kind of follow it along world history and over hundreds of years, they talked about the first, second, third, and fourth turning. And the fourth turning is when all the chaos happens. According to their demographics, we're in the fourth turning right now. And so things should be pretty crazy through about 2028, 2029, 2030, something like that. So keep an eye out for that.
0: That is so interesting. I love that recommendation. And it's funny, I listen to sometimes a psychic that is basically called the modern Nostradamus. And he says that this is the worst decade that we are going to have through 2030. So strap in people.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: it's about to get worse. (laughs) Anyway, moving on to more positive things. Please tell us about your UC warrior journey. When did your symptoms start? What do you think caused UC? So if we can start there.
1: So, you know, I didn't know what was happening to me, but this was spring of 21, and I started noticing a little bit of blood in my stool, and I thought, oh, well, I'm just getting old. It'll go away. Well, it didn't go away. It persisted, and persisted slowly, and got gradually worse to the point where now I'm blood in the toilet just filled up, and fatigue, and energy, and what really did it for me, one particular morning, I woke up and I was five pounds lighter than I was the day before. And I thought, uh-oh, something's not good here. And I've always been kind of a do-it-yourselfer you know, just in every aspect of life. So I went online and um, did a lot of searches, not on Google, because they uh, search, uh, they censor stuff. I like DuckDuckGo, I like Swiss Cows. Those are two pretty good websites where, uh, search engines where you can find um, alternative health stuff. And so I determined like, oh my gosh, I have every symptom Of UC. So I started giving myself extra nutrients, iron and B12 and so on, and that kind of helped, but the blood was still coming. Then I started looking into everything from, uh, should I go the the natural route entirely? Should I look at pharmaceuticals? Um, And I also looked really deeply at at spirituality, shamanism in particular. Have you ever heard of Alberto Violdo by chance? I have not. He's a really interesting guy. He's Cuban. He's He has a PhD in medical anthropology and he's a shaman. So, this guy really knows how to marry the two sides. And uh, his website is called fourwinds.com. It's the Four Winds Society. And so, I looked at a lot of his stuff and I, I gained a ton of knowledge looking at the spiritual, emotional connection to all of our ailments. So, that's when I really started incorporating walking in nature, deep breathing practices, cutting out for a couple of weeks anyway. I cut out um, all plant foods. Then I found the work of Sean Baker and I went completely carnivore for about two weeks and that helped a ton. But what I found is over that two week period, I was sleeping terribly. I kept waking up in the middle of the night, like what is going on? I finally determined that I was having cortisol spikes in the middle of the night. Because although the human body doesn't require carbohydrates to survive, because we can go through gluconeogenesis where it breaks down proteins, some carbs are good. So I started adding in a little bit of sauerkraut, some other uh, asparagus, uh, some well-tolerated vegetables. And so the blood loss started to diminish, 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 and I was getting better. Something else I did at that point is I ratcheted my workouts way back. No more heavy weights, more light weights, lot of walking, a lot of outside time, lots of grounding, or it's also called earthing, living where I live. I, I train most of my clients in Newport Beach and the the gym right there. And we're just going to tell
0: people because we have a we have a global audience. Newport Beach, California.
1: Oh, so you yes, guys know? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the the beach is five minutes from the gym, so I can go down there, take my shoes and socks off, Amazing. walk in the sand. I know not everyone lives in that type of environment, but as long as you're you're touching the, the dirt, the grass, the sand, even concrete works well. And so that kind of brought me up. Then I found. Okay, I'll tell you this part of the story. It's kind of wacky. I got to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm pretty good now, but I want to find someone who can get me over the finish line. So I went to our, our, one of our local gyms here, is 24 Hour Fitness. It was a Sunday afternoon. I would normally never be there at that time of day. The only reason I was there is that my son had a basketball tournament across the street and then we had about a three-hour break in between games. So I thought, you know, I'm going to walk over to 24 hours. I'm going to lay in the sauna, do my breathing practice, shower up, and then go back to the, the basketball game. So I'm laying in there doing my breathing practice, had my eyes closed, and I heard the door open and close, and somebody came in. I finished my breathing practice and I sat up, and there was a guy sitting in there. So I was about ready to leave, and uh, he looks at me and he says, hey, that breathing practice you did was fantastic. And I said, oh, thank you, I'm just trying to heal myself and, and, and stay healthy, and he goes, oh, what are your symptoms? I told him what I, uh, what I had, and he goes, oh, well, I'm a functional medicine doctor. I'm like, come on. So we start talking, and so I sit back down, and I said, really, what what do you specialize in? Oh, I specialize in all things IBD. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) So the universe provides when you need. So anyhow, I looked the guy up the next day. I just showed up at his office, and I hired him. And so he did some, uh, he did what's called an organic acids test, which is a urine test. He did a a stool test. It's PCR-based, so he said he likes that one because... It also tests for dead tissues that still might be there from when you had the UC. Did a couple other blood tests. And uh, he goes, well, you've done a great job because if you had UC, you, you don't have it anymore. But he showed me all my other stuff. I had little overgrowths, you know, all, everything in the yeast family. I had some E. coli, some staph, a few other things. It wasn't debilitating for me, but it wasn't allowing me to operate optimally. So he got me on some supplements, and I continued doing what I was doing, and, and here we are, and I'd say I'm probably 90% now. So it's been uh, quite a, an adventure, and I've learned a ton, and I've learned a ton from you, and I really appreciate you doing this podcast. And I found you, because when I had UC, I went uh, looking on podcasts for uh, any specialists in this area, and I found a, a smattering of uh, you know, gastro guys doing this stuff. But when I found you, I thought, oh my gosh, this is real. She has embraced the conventional medicine, but she really likes the natural stuff. And so I really liked your open-mindedness and and, uh, your openness, too, about your journey. And so it's been a big help for me as well.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for saying that. That's such a... Mm Huge compliment, especially from you, where I feel like I get so much information from you. There's times where Mm. I have DM'd you and been like, Anthony, can you tell me the answer to this? Because (laughs) 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 I don't know what I'm doing. So you gave us such a wealth of information. I think it's really interesting. And by the way, Anthony, if you see me writing things down, it's because you said something great and I'm writing it down. I don't want to forget it. Okay. But you said I'm when I started to have blood. I I said to myself, I'm getting old. And, you know, I feel like with UCIBD, we always find an excuse first. And I think that's a natural thing to do because you just don't want to believe it and you don't want to jump to conclusions. Probably in your, I would say coming from your perspective, you're so in shape, you're so fit. I would go to that conclusion too, you know, where, okay, I, I wouldn't, I'd be like, I train people every day. I train every day. I do, you know, I look great, whatever that I would never, which is why it's such an invisible disease. But I think that's really interesting because we all have stories like that where we're like, no, it's there's no way It's, it's just I'm getting old or I have a little hemorrhoid or so I think that's great that even someone like you who's so at the top of his game physically would think that too. I think that's amazing. And then the other thing I thought was interesting that you mentioned—I am ignorant to this—is the search engines. You said you go on oh, yeah. Swiss Cows. What is it called?
1: Yeah, Swiss Cows. Okay, um, that's a good one. But my primary one is Duck Duck Go.
0: Oh, I've heard of Duck Duck Go. Okay.
1: Yeah, because again, yeah, not to get go way down the conspiracy rabbit hole here. But, yeah. <laughs> um Big Pharma is a big advertiser on Google. No, it's
0: not. You don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) They don't control anything.
1: (laughs) So as with many things in life, if you just follow the money, then you know, you know, they know what side their bread's being buttered on. So then you can make an informed decision. So for example, if I'm looking for a, you know, a local restaurant recommendation or something like that, I'll go to Google. But if I'm looking for some health information, I go to DuckDuckGo.
0: Thank you for pro- I'm going to actually now do this because this was one of my frustrations when I started to have UC and I couldn't find anything online was every time you look something up, it's always big pharma. Yeah. The natural stuff is all pushed behind or it's hardly there. So thank you for mentioning that. That's actually a huge deal. Yeah. Now with your UC journey, and if you don't want to get into this, that's fine. But if you want to say a little bit about it, did you feel that there was an emotional aspect to it?
1: Absolutely. I've felt that there's an emotional component to all of our physical health. But as I really went down this rabbit hole on this journey, I'm like, oh, my gosh, there is. I mentioned Alberto Vialdo earlier. That just really crystallized it for me. Because then here's a guy with a PhD in medical anthropology, and he's a shaman, who's so able to marry the, the two together. You just finished your two-part series on The Body Keeps the Score. I had heard of that book a long time ago as well. So, yeah, totally. You know, for me, I, I grew up in a chaotic household parents were married. They're divorced now. They've been divorced like 30 years. But growing up, my sisters and I were raised by our two parents. And what I do recall is up until about age five, parents arguing constantly, just a lot of chaos. But then from about age five forward, they just didn't talk anymore. Hmm. Now, when you're a kid, you just think, well, this is just how it is. Well, it was in my life, but you don't realize how as, uh, as a child, you develop coping mechanisms to get you through that point, which are good for that point. But then we carry those into adulthood, and they're not good at that point. So I was pretty good at repressing stuff. And so I think all that pent-up stuff just was there. And not surprisingly, you know, in the the seven chakra system within shamanism, the root chakra, which is the one which is at the base, which is in the colon, that has tied to a lot of, you know, anxiety and and fear and whatnot. And that's that's where I had it. And the chakras
0: uh, are the seven energy centers of the body. So go ahead.
1: Yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah. So um, as I incorporate all that stuff, I'm like, wow, this is real, and it's certainly been real for me. I think what really did it was, my wife left me in in February of 2014, and it was done in a really ugly way, and it really just slapped me in the face and just took me down emotionally. And I think that was the final straw, even though it was 2014, I think that really kicked off the spring of 2021 for the UC to finally come to fruition. So it's been a great emotional journey for me as well. I let it all out. One of my very good clients, when I was crying and I cried for every day for four months straight after my wife left me, and she told me, "Anthony, you let those tears go because you're letting go of emotion that goes all the way back to your childhood. And you don't even realize it." And I was like, "Wow!" So I did, and it was such a vulnerable spot for me. I've always been, you know, the fit, doing, you know, type A guy. And uh, I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my edge. And I did for a while. But in losing that edge, I was able to come back stronger, wiser, better and just so much of a more complete person. You know, they talk about the wounded healer. you know sometimes you've got to take two steps back, to, or one step back to take two steps forward. And that's, that's been my journey. So yeah, e- the emotional component, I think, drives, really, all of our physical stuff. And we can choose to listen to the messages and feel through them and and work through them or keep stuffing them and keep getting bad stuff.
0: Thank you. Thank you for being so open and honest because... I tell people all the time that I think, I'm going to make a big statement here and say 100% of us, (laughs) whoever you see, have gone through some sort of trauma, some sort of emotional experience that we're stuffing down into our colons, which I just talked about, like you said, on The Body Keeps the Score, those two episodes. So thank you for confirming that for me and for everyone. All right. For sure. Now I want to move on to what you do for living, which is very cool. You are a fitness guru and human performance coach. You'd be so sad if I was your client. It would be, you'd <laughs> be like, this is pathetic. <laughs> and the irony, the irony of the situation is, I have a brother who is a CrossFit champion. He goes to CrossFit competitions all over the the country, and he has no body fat, and it's like, it's <laughs> just crazy, so he <laughs> couldn't be more opposite, I'm the yoga girl, so anyway, yeah. you have an interesting story about how you got started in the fitness industry, so I'd love for you to tell the listeners, because I found this kind of cool.
1: So I've always been involved in fitness, when I was age 12, I started lifting weights, because I started playing popcorn or football when I was eight, and I was always a smaller kid, I'm now, I'm 5'8", 160, that's my natural, where my body wants to be. And I was really strong, but I was a smaller kid. And so I played football for nine years, all the way through high school. And I just wanted to get bigger and stronger for football. So that's what started my, I guess, fitness journey. So my dad bought me, depending on the age of the listener or viewer watching this, bought me the old school Sears weight set to keep in my bedroom. Now, back then, Sears made these weight we did sets. did not they say were. Sears. <laughs> <laughs> so, that you know, brings me
0: back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you go to a, a gym now. The gyms are made of iron. Mm. The Sears weight set, the, the weight was concrete surrounded by plastic. And so I had that weight set at home, oh. and I just worked out on my own. I didn't know what I was doing. I was getting bigger and stronger, and, and, and it worked. So that kind of started it, and when football was over after high school, I just kept working out because I thought, well. Then it became aesthetic. Well, I want to be the fittest dude on the beach, which I usually was, and <laughs> my buddies appreciated that because I would attract some of the opposite sex and
0: Baywatch over <laughs> they, there.
1: Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> I did make a cameo on Baywatch too, but we won't get into that now.
0: <laughs> no, oh my god, you got you got to tell us about that later. That now that that trumps everything you just said. That trumps everything. But you got to you got to share that with us later. But anyway, I'll, continue. Say real, I'll just
1: share it real quick. I'll, I'll yeah, share it real quick. Please. so um, a, an apartment I was renting back in the, gosh, this must have been the early '90s. There was two sisters that lived upstairs, and they want the younger one wanted to be a big star and. So she was getting up one day and she goes, hey, I'm going to go to Hollywood to register with this extra casting agency. Do you want to go? I was like, yeah, I'll go for the ride. I'll sit in getting you in the the carpool lane. So we went. I went in with her. She did her thing. We were leaving and an agent, she literally ran out of the the building to me. She goes, hey, did you just sign up? And I said, no, I just came to hang out with her. She goes, well, will you sign up? I was like, okay. So I signed up and Bing, bang, boom, two weeks, I'm on Baywatch.
0: <laughs> Stop. That's amazing. So I
1: was, I was an extra, and uh, they had me kind of way in the background. And I remember the director called Cut. He said, hey, we want to re, re, rejigger the, the people here. And so he look, at his, I want our biggest, buffest guys here in the shot. He calls me, you come over here. So I was right in the shot. I was there to protect the, the star of that particular episode, and it was, it was fun.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. I could, yeah. I, of course you were on Baywatch. Of course. What? <laughs> I, I brought that up because I'm intuitive, and I was like, yeah, okay. of, of course they would select him. Now, I have a quick question for you. Was your friend pissed that they selected you? Ooh. Was she jealous?
1: You know, I wasn't very intuitive at the time. She may have been, and I just didn't notice Yeah. Because I mean, I did that. I did a few other shows and she wasn't doing anything. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Damn. I'm just thinking because I would have been jealous. Yeah. (laughs) I'd have been like, what? (laughs) That's a danger when you invite someone to an audition. I've heard that before. You're not the first. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. So you were saying that we were talking about how you became a performance coach and all that. So go ahead. You you were lifting weights from Sears.
1: (laughs) Yep. And, uh, Went to college, majored in business, and I just kept working out on the side. And I always, I think in the back of my mind, I knew I enjoyed fitness and health. I thought, well, that's not a real job. I can't make a living doing that. So I went the business route. I sold into the home improvement industry, Home Depot, and places like that. Um, Left it, got certified as a trainer. I was a trainer for a year. One of my clients who I was training hired me to go into his company selling again into the home improvement industry. I really didn't want to, but I was like, oh, okay. Um, did that for two more years, and then I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, I kept doing my continuing, yet to maintain my certifications because I thought maybe at some point I'll buy a gym or whatever. And then uh, one day I I was, I was a, I've had several different jobs. I was a financial advisor for five years, had my Series Seven, my life insurance license, and it was as a career. It was fine. Didn't really tickle my fancy, but it was fine. And then uh, the, the gal who mentored me there, she brought me in the office one day. She said, hey, um, I want to talk to you. You don't seem like you're very passionate about this industry. And I said, well, I'm not. But who is? And she laughed. She goes, true. She said, but, you know, I notice when someone stops you in the hall and asks you anything about health, fitness, nutrition, you just light up and you're so enthusiastic. And she goes, no, life is short. We should all pursue what we really are passionate about. Yes, And I said, well, I've already got all this training and I I can't turn back now. I'm too old. I was 36. And she laughed and she said, you know, I wish we were sitting here right now with a retired guy who was 65 who worked in some job he didn't really care for. And he could hear you say, oh, I'm too old. I can't turn back. He would tell you, you got your whole life in front of you. At this point, I had no wife, no kids, no mortgage, nothing. And I was like, okay, I'm taking the leap. So I put it out there to a couple of my buddies. My one friend said, oh, you know what? I just hired a gal who was a trainer out of this gym. She's going to come work for me. They have an opening in that gym in Corona Del Mar. So I went down there, interviewed. Um, weird story. One of their trainers, also, in addition to the gal who was taken out, um, one of their trainers, he was an army fitness guy. He died. Oh. Uh, carbon monoxide poisoning in, in, uh, at Lake Havasu in Arizona. So they had an opening. So I was already training a few people on the side. Um, And then I picked up his clients, and then the financial advising firm where I was working, six of my associates said, well, if you're going to be a trainer, can you train me? So within three months, my schedule was full, and I was like, okay, I think I'm doing the right thing. Amazing. And that was 20 years ago. Yeah.
0: And look at you now, and now you're... Training people on the beach and oh, that sounds <laughs> yeah. that sounds just so dreamy. So, what yeah. would you say is the best exercise for the listeners or anyone with UC, IBD, autoimmune? And how can we? It's a new year, right? So, how can we increase our our our, our audio, our audio? How can we increase? <laughs> our cardio and also our fitness goals for the new year. Like how should we do that? If you're someone like me, who's more of a slow yoga person.
1: Um, Great question. So, you know, again, it's cliche. I said, what's the best exercise? The one that you will do. I'd like to expand on that more. I, although we really talked more about weights and football and fitness, that kind of thing. I did go to yoga as a participant for about 15 years. And then my instructor moved to Florida so then I started doing Matt Pilates for about another 10 years and then COVID happened and they closed everything. And so I haven't done either of those since that time. But what should we do? Well, as I said earlier, when I had UC, I ratcheted my workouts way back. This is very individual, like most things in life. You know, we, we can go with the, here's the stated thing that works, but you got to experiment with yourself. Again, I live by the beach so I can go outside all the time. Most people can't do that. So any movement, if you're indoors, body weight squats, push-ups, simple stuff, exercise bands, you can tie them up to a pole, you can tie them up to the, the banister on the stairway. I'm looking over there because our stairs are over there. Anything like that, um, and you asked specifically about cardio. So it's not necessary and it's actually not even good to do, you know, marathon type of training and th- that constant pounding on the body one of the guys I listen to a lot on podcasts is Ben Greenfield. Hmm. And he's done Spartan races and, and Ironman triathlons, all this kind of stuff. And the first time he had a heart scan, he showed some calcification, which is very common. And he's only 40 years old now. So it's very common of people who push to the ben limit. Ben Greenfield's like that. only 40? Yeah.
0: Okay, he, he looks was one older. one of the first
1: guys. Yeah, with all due respect to him, I love him. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I, I,
0: with all due respect to him, I thought he was more like, not 40. Okay. Um, Interesting to know. Yeah.
1: And he's really throttled back as well these days. He's emphasized Hmm. a lot more sauna and cold plunge that type of stuff as well. I do that. So the cardio, um, have you heard the term zone two cardio? That's kind of the buzzword these days. Of
0: course I haven't, Anthony. Come on, you know who you're (laughs) talking to. No.
1: (laughs) So zone two cardio is basically when you're at 60 to 70% of your maximum heart rate. And You know, without doing a whole VO2 max thing where you go on a treadmill and you put the mask on you, the basic heart rate determinant for everyone is you take the number 220, subtract your age, and that's your maximum heart rate.
0: So 220 and subtract your your age. age.
1: Okay. Yeah. Now, so that's your max. And then you want to take 60% of that. So then between 60 and 70% of that is your zone 2 cardio range. And just to give you an idea, that's a brisk walk, maybe walking upstairs, not running upstairs, maybe 10 bodyweight squats instead of 50 bodyweight squats. You can still talk and you might be a little winded, but you're not dying. So that's a great way to get started and also a great way too to challenge your body when you have an autoimmune or you have any kind of UC or anything like that because you can still do something without pushing yourself over the edge. Because exercise stress can be good unless you're pushing too hard, and there's too much stress and that's not good. So zone two cardio is a good place to be, 60 to 70% of your maximum heart rate.
0: That is so, am- I've, I've never heard of any of this. This is so informative and so helpful and it's nice to know that you don't have to feel like you have to be a marathon runner. And I want to say, Anthony, in my defense, I want to impress you a little bit. <laughs> okay. I don't know if it will impress you, but i'm going I'm going try here, okay, so let's see. So when I was seventeen, I ran track and cross country, and I could run a mile under six minutes.
1: That's really good.
0: yeah, I was really wow. good. I was all counting yeah. Our- <laughs> Back in the day, back in the day, I could actually get shit done. Today, it's not as <laughs> as exciting. But yeah, so
1: I love- <laughs> That's fantastic. The,
0: thank you. Thank you. The problem yeah. was I was in this really big high school and they had national nationally ranked runners there. So in a smaller high school, I would have been a star, but in my high school, I was good, but I wasn't anything great. Like the girl before me was running it in less than five minutes. She was one of the top runners in the nation. So anyway. That's amazing, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, anyway, I wasn't blessed that way. But. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I kind of like what you said about the brisk cardio walk, especially for those of us who are living in the Northeast. It's cold. It's cold right now. Now, I understand if you're one of my listeners living up in Saskatchewan, you'd probably want to stay inside and do push-ups and everything Anthony said, and I agree with that. Absolutely. But... In my, so for example, today, it's 50 degrees, it's sunny, it's beautiful. For Anthony, it's probably freezing. For us, it's normal. (laughs) So what you do is you just wrap yourself up and you go for a brisk walk. And I like what you said about the brisk walk, just because then you can get the grounding in. Yes, your feet are not naked. So you're not walking on the concrete naked or the grass naked, but at least you're getting grounding in nature that way. What do you think about
1: that? The term grounding, by definition, means you are touching the ground. You, Mm -hmm. not your soles or your shoes. Humans evolved in the sun. Now, of course, I'm a darker-skinned person. I did my uh, genetic testing, and I'm mostly Spanish, and the next big chunk is Mexican, and there's a whole mishmash of other stuff. That's why you were on Baywatch. Yeah. (laughs) For those of us who evolved closer to the equator, we have more melanin, so we have darker skin. We can metabolize carbs more easily because if you're walking around now, you just pick a fruit and you eat it because it's growing all all year round. If you do go outside for a brisk walk, if you're all bundled up, do not wear sunglasses because Hmm. our eyes are actually a part of our brain. That's That's the exposed part of our brain. And when the sunlight comes in, it activates the melatonin in our body. By the way, just a quick aside, most everyone has been told that the melatonin is produced in our pineal gland, which is true, but the vast, vast majority of it is produced in our mitochondria, which is due to sun exposure. So if you're wearing sunglasses, Mm -hmm. you're cutting off that communication with the sun. So your body won't know what time of day is it really? Should I make Mm -hmm. more melatonin? Should I make less and so on and so forth? Don't look directly at the snow or at the sun. Unless it's first thing in the morning, you can look directly at the sun. It's low in the horizon. It's mostly red light. And so you can absorb that. But anyway, the point is, no matter what time of day you're walking, do it without glasses as much as possible. You can wear a hat, but you want that sunlight so that you can get the uh, grounding from the sun without actually touching the ground.
0: That's perfect. Thank you. Because yes, you are correct. I used the term grounding incorrectly. I guess I meant more walking in nature and and getting that nature exposure. But I like that. I like that idea of not wearing sunglasses and getting the exposure that way. So that's very smart. I didn't even think of that. And you guys also, you know, living in the Northeast, for example, here's the deal. I just went through this with someone. I lived in Eastern Europe nothing can compare to that. It is so freaking cold. It is so dark all the time that when people are are saying to me, oh, it's gray here in the winter. It's not gray here. There's beautiful blue Mm -hmm. skies out today. In the middle of February, there's beautiful blue skies. It's cold. It's freezing sometimes. But I really do like to bundle up. And I think that's important is to bundle up and go out and walk if you can handle it because it's, it's just, you know, it's so nice to get outdoors some of the time. And we do have, like Anthony said, the beautiful snow that comes off the beautiful sun and the blue sky, it's nice to have all those things, especially if you, you know, suffer from seasonal affective disorder, which I do. So all of that really helps. I go out into the pasture, like you said, Anthony, in the morning, because we get incredible light in our cow pasture, and I'll stand there and just get the light for fifteen minutes. And even that really helps me. So
1: that's so good. Yeah, you mentioned seasonal affective disorder. My ex wife is from Sweden. So you talk about mm-hmm. dark, cold, mm-hmm. long winters. I've been to there in the winter one time. I've been there summer many times. But in the winter, when it's kind of warm, people are bundled up. And you see them, they'll just walk outside and just look at the sun. And they just stand there in the sun. If it's high in the sky, they'll close their eyes. But they just get that. Because, again, if you think about all the tenets of ancestral health, we evolve in the sun and it has so many yes. healing properties and feel-good properties. And so, yeah, just get out. Um, the Japanese have a term called forest bathing. And it's, it's just being in nature
0: Forest bathing I like it I have a yeah. forest in the back of my health I'm, I'm going to say that I'm going to say I'm going forest bathing It's pretty cool okay. I learned that today Oh, I have a quick fact about the sun that I learned you want to hear it? Yeah Okay Do you know that if the sun exploded or went away There's an eight minute lag between earth and the sun So if that happened It would take eight minutes to feel the effects here I thought that was interesting
1: That's a good fun fact
0: Yeah I don't if have a lot. happen,
1: <laughs> uh, please let me know. Give me eight minutes to uh, prepare That's for That's right. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so funny. Absolutely. So yeah, the only other thing I want to mention about what Anthony recommended, all incredible recommendations, is I had this in one of my questions and you answered it, but I just want to make sure I, I said it right in case people are like, but but I had in one of my questions, besides the gym, can you give us a home practice? So if people are like, but what about the gym? What about the gym? Yes, the gym too. So I just wanted to point that out if you have anything to say about that.
1: We can always find a way to move. For someone like me who grew up in gyms, my mentality is, well, I have to go to the gym to work out. But as I become older and hopefully a little bit wiser, I realize as long as I'm moving, I mean, I'm looking over here to the right, I have stairs. That's something I could do if it were cold and rainy here, walk up the stairs and walk down or run up the stairs and walk down. I mentioned the bodyweight squats. You can even do a wall sit where you just, you know, you back up against the wall and you sit there. There's lots of ways. It's it's movement. It's just movement.
0: It's movement. And it helps our lymph. It helps everything. But I would always tell flight attendants, never take the elevator. Walk the stairs when you get to the hotel you know, walk the stairs up, walk the stairs down. You have to take your suitcase, take your suitcase and do it. That's good weight. So I would always do that too. It's great.
1: Great suggestion. Excellent suggestion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Look at me giving fitness suggestions. Oh my (laughs) gosh. (laughs) Uh, Tell us about where we can find you and where we can get trained by you and the whole thing.
1: I live in Orange County, California in south orange county but i trained most guys of my clients. that's
0: really nice sorry not to interrupt but <laughs> if you guys go and look at uh some of the shows from the past about orange county yeah it's beautiful over there so anthony's very lucky anyway continue i'm
1: blessed yeah i was born in in, in orange or i was born in la but moved to orange county when i was five i've been here ever nice. since so it is beautiful so south orange county is where i am and it's a great family community with with my kids but i built my practice in newport beach and so i still commute up there it's about a 30 minute commute well, 40 minutes if I go the, the way I like to go. Instead of the freeway, I like to go up PCH. So I go through oh, Laguna nice. Beach. I go through Newport Coast. I, I was going to uh, say it's Laguna so, Beach. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's such a nice way to get the day started. So yeah, so I'm up and down the coast. I train most of my clients Newport, some here in South County. I did try a little bit of online training during COVID and just just didn't work very well. More of what I'm doing these days is a lot of uh, health coaching Because as I get older and I experience more stuff, a lot of my clients who have been with me for 20 years and even some newer ones are having stuff, um, whether it be UC or other types of things. So uh, health coaching can be done like this on on the phone or on a a Zoom type of call. But in person is where, if you want to find me, I'll be in Newport primarily.
0: And where can we find you online, a website?
1: My Instagram is anthony4fit. That's the number 4 fit. It's a lot of stuff with my kids because they're both in high school and I post a lot of their sporting things and whatnot. And I do have fitness stuff there on well uh, as well. And my not so great website is just my name, com, And um, yeah, that's it.
0: Okay, perfect. Um, And I really like your Instagram. I think it's nice that you're a family man and you're so into your kids and it's nice to see that. So Thank you for doing that. We have a
1: short time with them, and uh, my time with them is almost done.
0: Oh, my gosh. Isn't that crazy, right? (laughs) (laughs) You bring them home from the hospital, and then the next day they're graduating high school. It's crazy. I don't know. I don't have them. I like to act like I have them. I'm like, oh, it's crazy, (laughs) right? No. I don't even know. But um, thank you so much. This was such a wealth of information. You are one of the highlights of this podcast for me because I was able to meet you and have you on this podcast and call you my friend. And I just really appreciate you. And I hope you know that. I just wanted to let you know that. And also, oh, this episode, it may have, I like to sometimes name episodes, you know, obviously the name Fitness with Anthony Padilla, but it may say my Baywatch cameo. (laughs) I may have to do it. I I think I'm going to have to do it. My David Hasselhoff moment, whatever, my Pamela Anderson (laughs) moment (laughs) may have to do it because I love that so much. And Anthony, you know how this goes, but I'm just going to do it here. In my household, when we have a perfect shit, you know, when it slides out of the toilet and you turn around and you go, wow, we call that a Green Heart Day. Anthony, what do you wish all the listeners?
1: All your listeners and viewers, I wish you all a Green Heart Day.